Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the French Hockey Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland International and adopted Frenchman, Johnny VT. And we're going to be joined by England and now post-scrum half, Dan Robson, shortly. So that'll be fun. But we'll have a brief catch-up first, Johnny, about all things top 14, everything else in between. And not just that, you were rushing off last week to celebrate your birthday, not Finn's, and you were very excited about your Paw Patrol cake. So was it nice? Mate, it was delicious. We're still finishing off the remnants now. Um, <laughs> and like you, mate, it will be fun. Like you said, it'll be fun. Having yes, Dan it on. will. We'll make sure it will. The pair of force fun, it will be. Uh, the pair of us battling through, the bo- both of us are both in crook, which has been good crack this week. But no, um, it was good. Birthday was good. Now we're getting into Christmas, mate. Like, birthday quickly forgotten. It's presents. It's getting ready. Too early. Mate, our Christmas tree went up yesterday. It's nothing to do with me. But let, uh, what is now brilliant is that she's always loved Christmas, right? The Christmas tree's up early. Yeah. But now you've got three small kids, like the decoration of the tree. It was her thing before, but now she has to watch them butcher her tree. So I loved that <laughs> last night. That was good crack. And yeah, now flights are booked back home for Christmas, a few more games to wind down, and then hopefully a bit of Christmas holidays. So no, all good here, mate. There's a bit of a cold snap as well. It was down to like zero. Very Christmassy. Very Christmassy, uh, you would say. So no, it's good, mate. A change of the seasons, it's cool. I'm with you on the other half being very Christmassy and all for it. I always manage to hold out till 1st of December. You've got to do better, Johnny. Mate, mate, I don't make the decisions. <laughs> I don't make... And also, another thing we discovered this year, I don't know about everyone else listening, but we've always... like It's always surprised me how much Christmas trees cost. Yeah. Have you ever got a Christmas tree from Ikea? No. 25 euros... And then when you go back in February with the receipt, you get your 25 euros back to spend in (laughs) IKEA. Absolute bargain. Um, So that's been the find of the Christmas so far this year. I'm happy now. The rest of it's done. Um, But yeah, another find from the missus. Normally fleeced for Christmas trees, but this year you're making money. Get some meatballs from Salmon and Ikea. Come February, I'll be a happy man. (laughs) I'm sure there's some teens we should add to that, that you're not allowed to take stuff back after you've used it for two months. But there you go. And I don't work for Ikea. I just thought it was excellent. (laughs) Well done then. But artificial Christmas trees, I agree. The way to go. like Better for the environment, I'm sure. And don't cost an absolute fortune. Mate, this ain't artificial. Oh, really? A real one? This is like a two meter fifty better tree than we've ever had before. It was twenty five euros. Well, and they give you your money back, and you get your money back. Okay, I'll take it back. This is there. The you thing. go. Take it all back. That's the way forward. Maybe it's only in France. I don't know. I'm going to check this out after we finish. Check it out, mate. I'm telling you. Aside from the Paw Patrol cake and the Christmas trees and everything else, there's been a bit going on in the top fourteen, and we normally do this later on, but I think we should do it now. Some rumors because they're massive and. 
Yeah. There's only a few this week. There might be more that we haven't found, but they're big ones. We've seen Jack Singleton looks like he's arrived in Toulon as a as a medical joker from yep. Gloucester. What else have you seen? He's class, by the way. I've loved yeah. watching him play in the Prem for England. Um, we mentioned a few weeks ago, it looks like a done deal now, Lewis Ludlam. And I wasn't sure how that'd be. Like, I've watched Lewis play, I watched him play, obviously, for England. He was very good as well. He's pretty much the only player for Northampton that was decent against La Rochelle last season. But the top 14 is a different bracket, right? And I just, I, like, I'm normally if it's a big back row signing, it's a monster they take. It's a big 125 kg. And he's a grafting, ball carrying, good over ball, like generally really good. But will he have that impact? Not sure. Can play across the back row as well, though. Exactly. So he's like a Swiss army knife, which is great. But, you know, meter moment of the week, the past few weekends, we've had a couple of young Toulon back rows that are half handy as well. So, Interesting with him, but I think that's sort of symptomatic of what we're seeing with the Premiership at the minute with financial problems, rumoured to be another side that hasn't been able to pay their players on time in the past month. Are there going to be more players moving over? Maro Itoje is the one that's been spoken about everywhere over here. Where would he fit in? He's been offered a 50% drop in his salary by Saracens. They're backing Owen Farrell as their marquee player. They have to drop another one. That's going to be Maro. So where does he go? Where does he fit? If he wants to keep playing for England and he wants to play for the British and Irish Lions in their tour to Australia, could he play for another side in the Premiership? Probably not, but he'd be excellent in the top 14. So Leon rumoured to be in for him with a few other clubs. Big one looks like a done deal. Still young as well, George North. Like they've already announced the salary and everything. Second division, Exxon Provence, he'll be joining Jimmy Gopperth, who's down there, 30 grand a month. He's rumoured to be picking up. He gets off the 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 wage bill for the Welsh Rugby Union, who looked to be struggling as well. I think the Ospreys are going from like 5.2 to 4.5 million is their salary cap next season as well. So that's a big chunk out of that. Will they be in the top 14 next season or not? Mate, like somebody that's been down in the Pro do and come up, it ain't easy. And there's a no. lot of luck. In, but you can have the best side, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to come up. And I know they've got Jimmy Gopperth, and they've got a couple of quality players in the back row as well. They've added there. Um, so they've got quality, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bounce or leap straight back into the top 14. But look, George is quality. He's a quality rugby player. You can also play now in top in Pro De Deux. He'd play 12, 13 and wings. He'd play every single week. But it's crazy to think like double British and Irish Lion, 31 years old, Pro De Deux. It's like Ross Moriarty as well. Just shows the state of Welsh rugby at the minute and how these boys are having to drop down early. They're young. It's not like they're old boys like me and you're 33, 34 clinging on at the end. And these are top level internationals. Another one, again, probably with what's happening in the Premiership, Johnny Gray, uh, potentially away from Exeter. I know Scottish rugby would love to have him back as well, but rumoured to be linking up with Yannick Brew and Bordeaux. So look, loads going on, um, quality players, and it's not going to be the end of it. I think this is the start. These are top-level players, and the financial situation in the UK at the minute just isn't the same as the top 14. France at the minute is rude in its health, and they can afford to bring these boys over. And we might chat a bit more about the action on the pitch later on, but a few things that cropped up over the weekend, one of which is... Sir Khaleesi's debut went well, but yeah. aside from his performance, another try for Henry Arundel on the wrestling side of things, mm-hmm. but Teddy Thomas against his old club, hell of a clothesline on Nolan LeGarrick. Mate, did you reckon that was a red? Oh, I mean, it looked dramatic. It's a soft red. Like, I reckon his initial contacts were the top of his chest, but mm-hmm. it looks so bad. And then once everything's put on the big screen, it looks even worse. But that wasn't a red for me. There's, there's no real contact to the head. 
I know it's dangerous, it's quick, but for me, it's a forearm touching the top of a chest and sliding up, which, yes, doesn't look good, but there's no real danger to a concussion, I wouldn't say. So there's no reason to really remove him from the field. But that's it. Teddy Thomas, red. The woes continue for La Rochelle. Rassing, they march on. They pick up another bonus point. Sia Khaleesi was industrious as ever. I was thinking, actually, you'll probably take less of a time to adapt, given you've got Stu Lancaster, English-speaking, as your head coach to get in and integrate with your systems. You should get up to speed fairly quickly. And he was just industrious. He was busy, didn't carry the ball too well, but you can just see how efficient he is. When he gets around the park, he's got a big engine, clear outs. Tackling was decent. Um, so good to see him make his mark in the top 14. He's also clearly going to be wheeled out everywhere. And I mean, he was everywhere in France this week. He was all over the Canal Plus Rugby Club. Uh, he was jumping up and down and dancing with fans at the end of the game. The week before, he's, you know, player cam in the stadium when he wasn't even playing. They absolutely love him. So now, look, one of the biggest personalities, one of the most successful captains of all time, now playing in the top 14, um, and it isn't going to stop. He's going to be absolutely everywhere. So good luck to him and a good first half in his first game. On the opposite end of the scale, we obviously spoke about Montpellier last week. A change oh. in coaching staff, no change in fortune, seven defeats in a row now, losing at home to Oyana. They're already eight points adrift of 12th. Can you see them getting relegated? I want to say no, but I mean, they're properly bad. Can happen to anyone, can't it? It can happen to anyone. Um, and you said, you just mentioned the 12th place team. That's Bayonne, right? So they're yeah. eight points off Bayonne. And unfortunately for Montpellier, they're going to Bayonne this weekend. And Bayonne don't tend to lose at home. Like going to Jean Dogier is a hard place to go. So mate, I can see them losing again this weekend. But they conceded four tries at home to Oyana. And I love Oyana. I love Joel Abd. He used to be my coach as well at Cast. They're well organised, but four tries at home without that much firepower. Um, huge result for Oyana. But, I mean, it's desperate now for Montpellier. What they need is the European break. That cannot now come quick enough. They need to try and pick something up on the road this weekend and buy on a, a bonus point or, or nick something. They need to get something the week before European rugby starts and then they just need to re regroup. Like, I can see them completely binning any approach to targeting any of those games in Europe, resting players, getting everyone together, having that type of social bond, getting what you need from the coaches. How are we going to play? How are we going to change this round? And they, they need to come out flying. The game just before New Year and after New Year, before the second round of European matches, so that block of top 14 around Christmas and New Year, they need to pick up points quickly. Um, a shot in the arm, confidence, and then they need to fly come the end of February during those doublons when they don't lose too many players during the Six Nations. They need to pick up some wins and quickly. I don't want to see, I can see them going down because it's my former club. I've still got mates that are playing in the side. I know some of the boys that are on the coaching staff as well, Vincent Echetto, who's just arrived. And you've got to hope with the quality they've got, they can turn it around because they've got decent players, some top level international players in that side. But they just look lost, mate. Like even Oina there, Oina were down to 13 men before halftime and they couldn't score. They were trying to take different options, try and plow over from scrum, then quick taps. They were just trying everything and they almost looked like they were over trying and nothing quite went right. It was Kobus Reinach and then they got held up over the line and a big celebration for Oyana and a psychological shift. So mate, they just need one big result, one big night out together. I don't know what it is they need, but they need to get back together and figure out how they want to play because they've got the talent to change it, but it needs to be quick. Otherwise, these games can start to drag and it becomes a dark, dark place. And that's with the new coaching staff. You've already arrived. You'd hope for them. They were thinking, right, Oyana, boys up from Prodidu, we'll get these boys at home, straightforward, wasn't to be. So difficult times, but hopefully they can turn it around. Right, we'll have a chat with Dan Robson in just a minute and we'll touch more on the top 14 later on. But first... 
Let's find out what your meter moment of the week is, Johnny. Well, it was his first game at Shaban Delmas for our mate Damian Penno, and he managed to bag four tries in a half of rugby and made it look like kid <laughs> stuff. He was absolutely exceptional. I know he's playing in a back line that now, for me, is one of the best back lines on the planet. You've also got a brand new backs coach there that is absolutely flying as well. He's agreed to come on, Noel McNamara. He wants to come on and do a podcast with us at some point. Um, but Penno's doing absolutely everything interceptions, defensive duties, kick chase. He's absolutely everywhere. You can tell he's enjoying his time and he looks happy and comfortable with the side that he's in, but four tries and one half of rugby and made it look like a piece of piss. So he was absolutely phenomenal and seems to be happily settled in Bordeaux. And it was a move that obviously raised eyebrows at the time. Now, when you look at it, moving from Clermont, they were doing pretty well themselves. They've turned things around a little bit, but to go into that back line, is just frightening what could happen. He's made a good start, but it could get even better. But even and the thing is, like the, I don't want to say it, it was easy, but the interception, great read. His defensive hustling is is coming to his game that he didn't have, right? But two of the tries were essentially created for him and handed to him on a plate because of that backline. So the players that he's got inside of him, the organization with Noel as well, who clearly is one of the best young coaches, an Irishman in the top 14 he is not going to stop scoring. Every time he touched the ball, he was in space next to the try line. He was sort of flopping over with 14 is back and that right side of the field. And it just looked ridiculously easy. So he's got pace to burn. He's got quality inside him. And this is just the start. And, and again, it did raise eyebrows because Claremont were a huge club, but they were in turmoil last year. So he probably thought, right, Cami Lopez and these boys have all left. It's sort of change of the guards. And he would have known who was signing at Bordeaux. Yannick Brew would have told him what that backline was going to be and what he could expect to play with. And now you can see the product. So absolutely class. There we go. Not a controversial one in any way this week. Damian Pano is Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 20 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can get 10% off any full price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD10 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD10, and you'll get 10% off any full price item at meter.com. And if you haven't already done your Christmas shopping, mate, there is a no-brainer. I've got myself oh, yeah. three. I've got my, my dad different things from me to last year. He's going to get different stuff this year, but it's so easy. A whole load of bundles as well, all sorts of packages. It's top class. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We've done your meet a moment of the week, Johnny. We haven't mentioned Poe, who are absolutely flying at the moment. They are going better than they have done at any point over the last five or six decades since they won the French title in the 60s. So... It's the perfect time to get someone from there on. And we've got someone. England and now post-scrum half, Dan Robson joins us. How are you doing, Dan? Yeah, very well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. We nearly had you on last week, we should mention. I think it was your other half's birthday. Yeah. A very good reason to delay by a week. It was Johnny's birthday as well last week, and he was rushing off to have some Paw Patrol birthday cake. So did you get your other half a cake? Uh, yes. I actually made her a cake for the first time ever with a oh. bit of help. But um, yeah, recently become a dad, it's changed my whole outlook on things. So now I'm now I'm baking. So Johnny's your man for dad advice. But what was the cake? Was it a Paw Patrol cake? Or it wasn't a Paw Patrol cake. No, <laughs> uh, maybe in a couple of years, just a, a nice little chocolate one. It was a ho- homemade call on the caterpillar. I know exactly the one uh, that homemade it. Did you get the with the kids and helping you make it? There's some serious brownie points if you rub them in, mate. Absolutely. He is six weeks old at the minute, so no. <laughs> so he was front and center. We get it. <laughs> he was there, in yeah, he was there in spirit, but um, no helping hands. Well, we might come back to the dad advice later on. Johnny's got tons of it, as I said. But Poe, absolutely flying. So you must be loving life in France. Yeah, it's um, it's great. Obviously, like anything, um, when when you're winning and when things are going well, everything kind of um, improves uh, your your outlook on things. But for sure, it's um, it's it's a wonderful place to be here. Um, a little bit unknown. I, I didn't know too much about about the place itself when I came here last year. It was kind of thrust upon me a little bit um, with all the situations that happened last year but you know as I've grown to to stay here and, and grow to know the area and the people it's you know it's it's a lovely place to be and you know the, the fans have been wonderful and you know we're really enjoying our rugby and I think that's showing in, in the results at the minute. It's a beautiful place to be and we'll talk about how you got there in a second but let's talk a little bit about the performance aspect because last year you finished 12th currently you're absolutely ripping it up you're sitting in second so what's changed? I think for, for for me it was it was obviously difficult personally coming in kind of halfway through the season just to try and and, and figure out what was going on throughout the whole club and you know the the, the greater squad um, and I think being here now from pre season has, has helped that and we've just focused on a couple of real basic things and I think we haven't overthought it we're not overplaying our card we're not getting ahead of ourselves at all um, you know we've got a very tight knit group which is wonderful um, and, and we work hard for each other and, and we want to, we want to perform. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's been good. I think our defense and our discipline, you know, two of the things we, we've really focused on have, have been impressive, probably bar a little blip the other week against Bayonne. Um, but that's going to happen. And I think the important thing for us is to make sure that we're as consistent as possible. And I think last year we probably would have let that performance last week against Bayonne, you know, affect our performances throughout the current coming weeks as well um 
where last week we we parked it pretty well and you know we we took some harsh learnings and we we turned those around um in the week against Stade Francais which was uh, really pleasing for from from my point of view you mentioned you arrived midway through last season obviously that was because of everything that unfolded at, at wasps but just talk us through from a personal perspective how the move to Poe came about and and I guess what your first impressions were if you didn't know much about the club when you did get there what are your first impressions yeah it was um obviously everyone kind of knows the story now it's it's we're not the anomaly unfortunately um at wasps so yeah it happened and probably a couple of weeks after that I was finding my feet a little bit and, and talking to a couple of premiership clubs and you know I asked my agent to put the feelers out there abroad as well just to to really kind of you know, see what was out there and, and use this negative thing that's happened and, and maybe try and experience something different for, you know, six, seven months for the rest of the year um, and see see what was available. And, you know, it was it was tough. I, I spoke to a couple of premiership clubs, but it, it was it was difficult to really feel atta- anything attached to it or the premiership itself, I probably felt quite bitter towards as well um, with everything that happened and, you know, it was it was tough to kind of really buy into to anything that I was I was hearing, um, and that was just probably just my mindset at the time. Um, and then my agent spoke to me about about Poe coming in, and you know, potentially wanting me for the rest of the season. And you know, I said let's let's explore it, let's let's see what what's going on. Um, and then they came back and, and were keen, and um, it was just they just beat La Rochelle away off the back of it as well. So I was like, yeah, let's get me there. I'm ready. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, it was a week later. I was I was here, and you know, another week after that, playing, coming off the bench, my first game. So it was it was all pretty sudden. Um, but you know, it's it's something I wanted to do for for a long time anyway, and try and explore different avenues of rugby and you know, experience different cultures and and how how different you know countries do things. And um, yeah, it was a difficult difficult time, but. Yeah, last last year was was fun because uh, I I threw myself into it and I kind of took you know myself into a different role and just went look just go and enjoy your rugby just don't think about anything else don't think about anything just just go out and play and enjoy um, and and that's kind of where we ended up so yeah it's it's been um it's been a it's been a good good year now and now that you've been here a while Dan you. you- touched on a little bit there the differences between different cultures and how people approach the game so what is it that you've seen that you've enjoyed like disliked the differences between prem and top 14 that you've absorbed so far what i've enjoyed here is is kind of the analysis more than anything is is pretty limited and and that's not in a negative way it's not it's not that anyone's kind of doing more or doing less it's probably just the mindset of of the french players and the french squad is you know focus on ourselves a little bit yeah we'll we'll watch a bit of footage of, of other teams but I think sometimes you can get dragged down by footage and you know you're going into a game and you're thinking 10 different things at once and um, it kind of takes away from your instinctive play and f- for me that's that's such a big part of my game so you know I feel like when I'm going into these games I'm, I'm very clear in the head uh, I understand our game plan I understand what we want to do and you know teams are going to throw curveballs at you of course that's that's what you do and that's what you expect at, at top level sport so it's just about reacting and i think you know the, the clearer you are in the head with that the, the better you can react so i think that's one of the big things i think they're very very focused on on themselves and and how to adapt their game plan it's not too worried about changing every week to suddenly fit into a different team i think you know in the in the premiership sometimes we could change our 
our whole attack structure, our whole like card, cards, as it were, um, going into week by week by week. Um, and it's quite a lot. It's, um, it kind of takes up a lot of the week as well. So here it's, we're pretty, we're pretty basic with that, but it, it works really well for us. We had Ben White on the show last week, who was just settling into life in Toulon. And he was interesting. He was talking about the role of a scrum half in France. Obviously, we know historically they're arguably more important than the fly, fly half. They sort of take a more prominent role. And, and he was kind of motivated to move to France slightly because of that. So how have you found that in terms of kind of maybe, I don't know, leading a little bit more than you would have had to in the Premiership? Yeah, it's it's difficult. I think every team's different with that. I think for, for me, when I was at Wasps and, and we had Lee Blackett and stuff driving, driving our attack, he was very influential in getting our nines into the game. He was very big on that, almost, you know, like what Whitey was saying in, in France, that they're so, you know, influential. It was pretty similar that for, for us at Wasps. I felt like, you know, I was never really out of the game. There was always chances for me to get in the game and, and have an effect on the game. So, yeah, it's probably similar to that for me. And here it's just about making sure that for me and, and Poe and what we're doing at the minute is just we can be as consistent as possible and influence, influencing the team, if that's on the pitch or off the pitch, trying to trying to now be a leader a lot more this year. Um, we're slowly learning some French and um, getting the getting the language stuff going so I could, you know, help, help the boys as, as much as I can. So... You know, it obviously helps having Joe outside as well sometimes, uh, the little English duo. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's different for sure. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's miles apart from, from what I've been used to. But certainly, yeah, you can tell in general the nines here have a big, big role to play. And, you know, a lot of the time are, are involved in, in a lot of the big plays and, and how, how the game ends up. And you mentioned his name. So Joe Simmons playing outside you, a man that you know very, very well, obviously from the Premiership. But what is it like to have a man like that alongside you as a halfback partner in the top 14? Yeah, it's it's great, to be honest. I, I was I was very fortunate last year when I came and I had Zach Henry, um, who was, you know, fluent in French and, and an English English guy and brilliant bloke. And and that really helped me settle, uh, really helped me settle into things. He was he was brilliant with me. So yeah, obviously to, to have Joe come in and, and kind of keep the the English the fly half going is is a big help. Of course, I'm not going to lie and say no. You know, I'd, I'd love a French fly half always, and yeah, it's it's very different. But to to be able to just take a second during a game and just have that chat within with with him and just assess things sometimes it, it's it's pretty pretty important, um, and it's it's quite nice just. I think for him as well to, to settle in as, as quick as possible. We've got obviously myself sometimes at nine or and Jack Maddox at fullback. So we're, we're pretty key there just to, to have that line of communication and, and help each other out. You've obviously got a lot of influence already done. You've got it written into your contract that you've got to have an English fly half outside. Yeah, you. I, I like know. it. <laughs> I, might, I might have to add that. You mentioned Zach last season as well. He's been on the show before, friend of the show. Loves the shoof, he always tells us. So did he get you into that last season? Loves the what, sorry? Loves the shoof, like a very strong Belgian beer. Is he? Was that on the go last season? Nah, he's all chat, Zach. He's all <laughs> chat. He'll be, he'll be a Heineken with a pesh. That's what he, it's a little <laughs> drop of peach. Yeah, a demi-pesh. Yeah, a little demi-pesh. That's not a shoof. He's been exposed, I like it. No, nah, no, nah, he's, he's, he's good blood, Zach. And speaking about other players at Poe, 
Johnny said the other week that you guys have got no superstars, which I thought was outrageous, particularly to you, Dan, but just to other players at Poe. But I suppose on a serious note, he has a point in terms of, we spoke to Tyler Ardron at Cast a couple of weeks ago, um, and he was saying how there's no egos at all in that dressing room. And most clubs you go to, you'll have one or two that maybe are set apart, might think a bit more of themselves than, than others do. You sort of touched on it earlier on. It seems like a club where everyone is pulling in the same direction. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, in, in the nicest way possible, you're probably right. There's no superstars, big egos in that team. And, and you know, I, I don't know how that would work because, you know, the, the boys are, are really tight. Like I said, that there is obviously that little split of the French and the foreigners, like kind of as you'd expect. But, you know, the, the French guys, especially to me, I found have, have been amazing. All the lads have, have been really welcome in and, and wanted to, you know, to get the best out of you on and off the pitch as well. So and I think as long as you show that and, you know, you you work hard and you you respect them and you know you, you go for a few beers with them as well um which is which is never a bad thing they they're always they're always there to to support and you know we we've got a pretty good blend of that at the minute can't believe you threw me under the bus tim <laughs> i didn't say that i might have said that <laughs> you said they were all grafters no quality at I all i said they're all yeah. grafters <laughs> and that dan was the rock star that's what i said yeah. if you go back and pick out that quote you got you got one rock star about to rock up Sam Whitelock, the only man to have played in three World Cup finals. I played with his brother Adam. You've got Luke at the club already. Is Sam arrived in Poe? Is he there and ready to take in training? Is he there yet? I think he arrives at the end of this week. So be good timing. A couple of weeks of the Challenge Cup for us. Um, a week in Durban next week and then Dragons at home. So I think give him a couple of weeks to settle in and find his feet and then maybe Clermont at home, the, the big reveal and you know, hopefully we can we can keep the run going, especially at home. We're we're pretty pretty strong at the minute, and you know he can he can be another influential figure for us. That's that's going to add, you know, an, a vast amount of experience and, and and quality. Sam has got a lovely head of hair on him. It's common in France when a new player arrives to shave the head. I think that happens more to the younger guys. But is that something you got planned for him, or is there something different in the Poe initiation? I thought I, we didn't really have much initiation, unless I just skipped it for obvious reasons. You're mid-season. Maybe you swerved it. Maybe, maybe they. Uh, they took one look at me and went, "We won't put him through the head shaving just to, to spare his blushes." But um, no, we, we we had a little a little initiation at the start of the year. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, he he might have a couple of uh, get out of jail free cards. To be fair, with with his CV coming in, and every club is dip well, mate. Every club, I've been, it doesn't matter what you. Not that I had a big CV, but even people with big CVs that arrived, everyone got shafted. So, what is the Poe initiation? Because it's different in every club. So, what are the elder statesmen making the young pups and the players coming in do at Poe? We just had a, a bit of a court session this year, and we uh, we had a, an afternoon at a kayak session in town. We went whitewater rafting and stuff, and then all the new players and young lads um, got told to to dress up in cycling gear. Um, and basically, we were going for the afternoon to one of the wineries to, to have a bit of a, a few drinks together and stuff, which about 20, 30 minutes away. Uh, about to get on the bus to, to leave and basically got kicked off the bus and said, no, you've got, you lot have got to find your own way there. Quickly, all the lads dispersed and me, Joe and Hayden Thompson-Stringer were left there, three English-speaking English blokes going, 
what the fuck are we gonna do here? Um, but we managed to we managed to get a lift with a lovely French lady and, and sorted that out, and then yeah, just had a, had a few beers together, the the usual kind of um, English English chat and uh, a few drinks for being English, and that was it really. So yeah, pretty tame compared to a, a few. Um, certainly the Gloucester Gloucester ones back in the day when I first came through um, were pretty pretty horrific the Gloucester one is famous so like talk us through your experience of the Gloucester milk challenge because it is rank yeah so I wow what was I 18 19 and we went to Portugal and there was about seven of us that were planned to do it on the last day and uh, I was like I'm never gonna be able to I I was 75 kilos wet through at this time I was 18 skinny as anything I was like and one of the lads came up to me and went why don't you just shave it you're gonna have to shave it at the end of the week just shave it and then at least you'll get a weaker sun on the head you won't have a pale and I was like it's a really good idea so I shaved it at the start of the week and geez it was horrific um and then yeah all the boys and attempted it at the end of the week and I don't think anyone ended up doing it but yeah, there was there was always a few get out clauses with those ones with age and um, international and stuff until uh, one year we were in France. Jimmy Cowan's first year. Oof, loose as a goose. Loose, one of the, one of my favourite blokes ever. Brilliant bloke, and again initiation stuff was doing it, and he's just grabbed the clippers and just gone. Bear in mind, he's captured the all black everything done. And then we were like, right, everyone's got to do it then, I guess. So there was no holes bar after that. So you didn't actually do the milk challenge then when you came through? I attempted it, but very, very cautiously as I was already had my head shaved. So it seemed a bit of a, a bit of a pointless exercise for me. Because this might be a, one of those kind of apocryphal tales, but I heard that your nickname, which followed you around a little bit in the premiership, came from that attempt at the milk challenge. Well, yeah, from my shaved head, yes. Um, Dobby, the house elf. <laughs> and do they know that in France? Is that translated no, into French? Well, apologies if it does after this. No, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's fine. It's it's one thing that actually hasn't followed me here, so it's it's not too bad. Do they love Harry Potter in France, Johnny? They do now, mate. They love a Dobby. <laughs> they love Dan, they love Dobby. Um, they do now, mate. You're screwed. Apologies. Yeah, no, it's all good. Back to the serious rugby. Um Sebastian Piccaroni is your head coach. He's obviously worked with quite a few of the France stars as boss of the France under 20 side and various age group sides over the years. He's obviously perhaps not a high profile household name to the rest of the world, doing very good things in France, very highly thought of. So give us an insight into what he's like as a head coach. Yeah, he's um, he's pretty calm. He's pretty collected in, in what he's what he's about. He's pretty methodical in in what he's done he's, he's quite astute in, in who he brings in and I think that's it's quite English almost in, in you see who he wants to bring in and the squad we want to build and you know we touched on it earlier about not having potential superstars but the people that we, we have got uh, are all on the same wavelength and, and all working hard and I think it's important about those kind of people that he brings in you know Joe Simmons for example like brilliant bit of business bringing you know, a, a premiership European champion in, but you know, not not massively flash. He's not gonna, you know, suddenly start being a Marcus Smith and, and trying everything, but an incredible player nonetheless, and probably perfect for, for the game that we want and and really tries to steer the team and you know, an incredible goal kicker as well. So just things like that. I think he's he's got his head pretty well switched on about what kind of squad he wants and 
you know, he's big on, he, he's, he was very successful at under 20s. So he's big on the young lads coming through and, you know, fair play that we've got a good, very good crop of young lads at the minute um, coming through and playing. I think Teo at Sogby, just for one, for the, the winger that's been playing for us at the minute, has been absolutely on fire and just turned 19, I think. So um, Emilian got player of the year, young player of the year last year. So, you know, I think it's really important to get that good mix of experienced guys that are driving the team and then these young guys that just bring all this energy um, up through the academy and, and are playing and, and when they get given their chance are, are performing well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant mix at the minute. One on Emilian Gaetan, you mentioned him there. He won the Young Player of the Year last season. It was just such a standout season and is still very young. Obviously, second season syndrome is difficult, but he's a, obviously a star. He was born in Croydon, right? got English connections. Is he, have you explored with him? He's the most English-sounding French player I've ever met in my life. When I first came over and I started speaking to him, I was like, why don't I know you? Why? I don't know this English guy. I thought it was just Zach that was English here. And now he's, he's French-English. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's impressive, to be fair to him. He's a very talented young, young man. Can you talk us through his qualities? Because he's come through, like, again, nobody really outside France knows about him. He's picked up a couple of caps. He's on the radar with Fabien Galtier. They've called him like a young Conrad Smith, snaky, who was there before you joined the club. But talk us through his qualities. Why is he so impressive? Why did he win Player of the Year last year? And what should we look out for this season? I think, for, first and foremost, he's incredibly hardworking. I think he puts in a lot of hard work and... I think that's always something you look at and these young guys sometimes, you know, that have all the talent and are they are they putting in the work behind the scenes to to grasp every 1% out of everything? And he's someone that certainly, certainly is. He works incredibly hard at what he does. He's, he's very professional, um, but he's got a lot of natural talent as well. So, you know, he's very quick defensively as a 13 as well. Like he's, he reads the game really well for a young guy, which... You know, we've always talked about it takes a few years to, to gain that experience defensively. And I think he's he's got a lot to give and he's he, he's only going to get better. That's the scary thing. I think he's, he's 20 now and he's going to keep playing and keep getting better and keep getting exposed. And he's not someone that will let it go to his head. Um, briefly knowing him for the last year or so, I think he keeps himself very grounded and keeps a good group of people around him as well. And you know, he wants to work hard and he wants to succeed. Another youngster that's picked up some decent game time this season is Hugo Oradou. So the son of David, who played for Stade Francais in France ages ago. What's he like as a bloke? Because again, we see the sort of gangly that he also must be 18, 19 years old. But mm. the fact that he's getting game time in the top 14 at such a young age, he's got Sam Whitelock arriving to be his mentor. Like how far could he go as well? The same as Emilian for me, all, all the way, for sure. He's... Again, like you said, when you look at him, you don't go, oh, he's, he's going to be physically imposing or Same how's he going to do it. Yeah, and it's and it's impressive. Again, works really hard. Bit of a line-out noise, which is which is always good for, for a young second row. Um, and yeah, he works hard and he puts himself around. And he's He's got good skills. He's, he's very French in the way he plays. He loves an offload. He loves keeping the ball alive. And yeah, again, someone that will massively benefit from getting a lot of game time this year, physically as well, um, and mentally just leading the line out as well is, is such a big thing for such a young guy. And when he, when he does it, he's, he's spot on. So, yeah, another guy that will definitely, well, hopefully go get some French caps sooner rather than later. 
And speaking of second rowers, Maro Atoji is the latest Englishman to be rumoured with coming across to the top 14. There's going to be loads, right, because of the scenario that's happening back in the Premiership. Do you think the RFU has to loosen the rules on who can play for England and where they are? Because if you've got Willis, you've got Ludlam coming over, you've got an Arundel potentially and a Toji as well, surely they have to change something. Yeah, it's, it's that tough one, isn't it? That kind of dilemma of if we change it, will everyone go? And for me at the minute, the way people are coming to France and, you know, the top 14 just seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're comparing that to the Premiership and, you know, you're looking at a 10-team Premiership. It's not a lot of games. Um, there's teams struggling. There's It's it's tough. And, and if you suddenly went, right, we'll take the English stuff out of it, are your big players going to go and sign for France? And then who's coming to to see the Premiership as well when you lose kind of even more big names? I think it's finding that balance and it's incredibly tricky. I don't envy anyone that has to make that decision. Maybe maybe a couple of years ago, it would have been sensible when there was a few more teams in the league and just try to expand the game and expand the league for sure. But, you know, English rugby at the minute is is teetering on, on a little bit of a precipice. So... It'd just be interesting to see how it goes from there. But um, I know speaking to a lot of the English guys that have come over and were in my situation last year that came over have loved it. Um, they bought into the philosophy over here. And the big difference for me is every week is an absolute battle. It's every week is an absolute Goliath. Like just the, the atmospheres, the stadiums are just incredible. Uh, and there's probably something that, you know, coming here, you know, 30 odd have gone to appreciate every, every game has been amazing. Um, even, you know, those, those tough games against the bottom of the league last year, it was us, you know, you're selling out against teams and it's, it's just great. And it's a, it's a massive, massive positive to, to be playing those games. And we've seen Australia bring in the Gitto law to try and get around these rules and try and get people playing abroad whilst protecting their national side. Do you think the RFU could bring in an Atoji rule? If he was to come over, he has that amount of caps, they still want him back. Could that be something they could use to still retain some of their talent for international games? What about a Robson rule, Johnny? 14 caps, that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, maybe you might have to have started a test, I reckon, to, to be eligible for that, that law. But yeah, no, potentially. Potentially, I think, is definitely something um, something to look at. And it's just figuring out what's... Uh, an acceptable amount of caps and kind of will it happen if people get to 25, 26 caps and they're like, yep, sweet, I'll go to France now and I've kind of got there. It's 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 a it's a massively difficult situation. I think I know the RFU want as many of their players playing in England and you know so fans can go and watch week in, week out premiership rugby with you know the biggest and best stars in, in England playing. I think if they kept if they keep losing more and more, it'll it'll be a struggle for sure. You're only 31. I mean, I know you've signed a deal at Poe until 2025, I think, and obviously you're loving life at the moment. We don't know whether the rules will change, whether they won't change, but at that age, you would harbour hopes of more England caps, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's it's not something I've I've written off. It's also it's it's a difficult thing to think about, like you said, now now I've extended here. And I've signed here. It's it's obviously at the minute not not an option. So it's not something that you know I'm thinking about too much. It's not something that's that's crossed my mind a lot. I've just kind of got all my focus here and 
you know, starting a family here and, and really enjoying and embracing the kind of French lifestyle and trying to get Poe to a, you know, a situation where we want to be, um, not at the bottom of the table, kind of scrapping for relegation every year. So, yeah, it's it's obviously something that you never kind of shut off, but at the minute it's it's not a viable option for me. And, you know, I think being here and, and playing at Poe at the minute is the best decision for me. And looking back a little bit, 14, 15 caps, I remember watching you and there was a bit of outcry at the time that you should have started some games. And I remember thinking, why isn't this boy starting some games? He deserves to start. So do you look back with a little bit of, I should have had a time to start? like Because I thought you deserved it. And internally, we all push for ourselves and we think we're capable. But you clearly were more than capable of starting tests for England. So there's a little bit of you that looks back and thinks you should have had a shot. And potentially there is that little bit of unfinished business that you'd love to get that start in a nine jersey for England. Absolutely. I think I'm very proud of my English career and you know my international career getting 14 caps is, is a dream come true, of course. But yeah, there's it, it's there's always that part of me that'll be like, I want to start, I want to, you know, really show what I can do from from the start and and get and give that in, in an England shirt. But you know, it, it wasn't meant to be um at the minute and it wasn't meant to be during during my you know, stint a couple of years ago. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But um, for sure, it'd always be nice to kind of have that that number nine shirt hanging up um, and something to look back at, um, at least to be given that opportunity, um, I think would be the would be the nicest thing, yeah. And in terms of that selection decision, did you feel or do you feel like you were sort of unfairly pigeonholed as a scrum half who was all about speed and all about attack and therefore like a really good bench option rather than a, a nine who's going to manage the game from the start yeah to some extent um to some extent I think that kind of showed in the games that I came on really I'd come on when teams were you know we were either up by quite a few or down by quite a few and needed to change the game there probably wasn't the confidence that I had that you know if the game was really tight go on and you know manage the game and see the game out and, and have that impact for sure, um, which is disappointing, and, and you know, it's I I always wanted to get rid of that tag of, you know, being a fast nine and you know quick and can change the game. You know, I always wanted to add things to my game to be able to go right. Well, okay, if that's the perception that someone has of me, I need to change that a little bit without changing the whole thing. That you know, I kind of ruined my 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 look on things um but what can i do to make my my game more rounded so other people are going right he he, he can play a kicking game for instance uh, so yeah it's 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 one of those things that you learn over time as well for sure uh, i feel like my game at the minute is is in a good place i got pretty much you know it, depending on how the game's going i feel like i can have an impact um whatever the way that is so i think that's really important and looking back, mate, at that time with England, it was Eddie Jones. He's had some couple of months as well as a coach. But what was your experience with Eddie like? Everyone seems to have a bit of a mixed bag. Um, but what was, your, was yours like on a personal level? Yeah, pretty mixed bags. Pretty good good way to sum it up. I think, you know, I'll always be grateful to, to Eddie as he was the one that gave me my opportunity with England. I think that's the first and foremost thing that I would always go back to. He, he gave me my opportunity. He gave me my first cap. I think... The communication stuff was was pretty difficult for me at the time. I think um, I, I wanted probably to to go in and find my feet a little bit and and really 
settle into to the squad when we had like a big campaign in the Six Nations. Probably got thrust into a few things that I wasn't ready for at the time. But yeah, it was it was always a difficult difficult situation for sure. It wasn't you're not ever comfortable with Eddie, um, and obviously some people absolutely love that. Some people thrive on that all the time, and I think. For me, my chunk of my caps are in COVID as well. So it was, you know, extra tough. You're, you're training, you're going back to your room, you're, you're staying on your own. You're, it's pretty pretty lonely. And then when you do get that interaction, it, it can be quite negative. So you like, it's uh, it was a tough few weeks for sure in, in that campaign. But, you know, like I said, he's he's a brilliant coach and, you know, England did, did very well under him. And he's obviously struggled in the last couple of months, but uh, that, that, that is what it is. And everyone's got an Eddie Jones story as well. I remember we had Henry Thomas, wasn't it, Johnny, who came on and now playing for Wales. But Henry said Eddie asked him to describe himself in three words. And I don't know what words he gave. And then he was cut. That was it. So I don't know what he said, but it obviously didn't go down well with Eddie. Was there anything like that? Obviously, his manner can be quite abrupt. But did you have anything happen to you? Or did you see anything that was a bit wacky, a bit out there? Not really. I I remember one time we were having a chat and he said, he was kind of like, what, what do you need to be to, to get a start and stuff? And, and I, I was just talking about my game. And I think that season at the time, my, my assists was top of the charts for a nine and my running meters and stuff. So I was like, my X factor is, you know, getting in the game, making breaks and, and supporting and doing that. And he just lost it and said, I fucking don't use X factors. The worst. I hate that expression i hate that and just lost it at me and i was just like is that what you've just taken from what we just said <laughs> i've used x factor i was like um and we had a we had a laugh about it um a couple of days later um but yeah at the time i was bricking it he said what i wanted dan was how many box kicks you do a game that's what i wanted yeah probably <laughs> still wouldn't have been enough i don't think <laughs> And obviously, back when you were winning caps for England, Steve Borthwick was the assistant coach for a period as well. So what was your view of him back then? Obviously, a very detailed, analytical kind of coach working with the forwards rather than with with you. And um, what have you made of his tenure so far as England boss? Yeah, I've, I had some very good interactions with Steve. Like you said, he's so analytical and he, he reads the game really well. He sees the game really well. And um, I think... I didn't have too much to do with him when it was with the forwards, but when I did, um, his detail was fantastic and it gave, I could see it gave the players and, and even myself a lot of confidence in what they were doing because, you know, you could see behind Steve, he, he got so much research done and he was so confident in assuring him what he was saying. There was no kind of what ifs or what, and people would just got on with their jobs. So yeah, it's, he, he's very, very impressive coach and it's been an interesting tenure for sure I think England have, have kind of gone with this game plan and you know people from the outset have, have had their their opinions on it and you know whatever whatever that may be um, but when, when you look down to the crooks of it they they had a pretty successful World Cup all in all and I think you know it was difficult in the warm-ups but who really cares about warm-up games who really notices too much about warm-up games I think the big things are, are, the, are those knockout games and, you know, they were a point away from getting to a final and, and beating the, the world champs. So as results go, I think it was it was a positive, positive World Cup. 
performance wise, yeah, everyone will kind of have their, their ten cents and and want to want to have a chirp in. But the game's always evolving and always adapting. That's the thing, and it's about for him and the coaches what's next, what's the next kind of flurry of um, how the game's going to be won and how the game's going to be refed. And I think that's that's the big thing. And obviously, everyone wants to see free free flowing rugby and. Arundel scoring five tries every game. We all do, of course, but fortunately, that's that's not how we win games. And and it's about finding the way of. I'd like to see now with a four year cycle before the World Cup of you know a bit of fresh meat in there and not being afraid to lose a game or two. I think that's the important thing. I think probably before it was everything was about winning. Everything you did was about winning, and I think. Of course, you, you're playing for your country and you're never not going to want to win. But is the process and is the the long-term process of moulding a team and moulding a group that you want to, in four years' time, be where you want it to be? Are you going to lose games across the four years? Absolutely. Is it a be or an end or No, it's not. As long as you learn and you kind of get the group where you want them to be. And I guess that'll be similar for all the nations now, right? The end of the cycle, the World Cup's just been. So looking ahead, let's take maybe three or four boys from the Prem and three or four from the top 14 that you'd like to see Steve Borthwick bring through. It's like in the Prem, who have you been impressed with that you love to see get capped and get a run of games over the next few competitions? And the same, like who have you seen in France that you think could be the answer or add something different to Fabien Galtier's squad? Yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll keep it with players we've already mentioned, but Arundel for me, you know, you see him in the top 14 already, he scored four tries in two games, three games. Um, and that was probably the most disappointing thing from from that tournament was that game. He touched the ball one, and I, I understand he's, he's, he's got to learn and he will keep learning about how he can get himself involved. But, you know, a guy like that who is a massive, massive talent. You want to see get the ball and you want to give him the ball, not just go looking for the ball. There has to be areas that they can get him involved. You see Rassing a couple of weeks ago against Toulon ran two different lineouts just to get him the ball in some space. They've targeted that and they've gone, we want you here and we're going to give you the ball. Go do you. And that's what I'd love to see in in an England shirt and him. You did very well there, Dan. If Eddie's listening, you did that whole thing without saying X Factor. I thought it was coming. I've improved, <laughs> I've improved. It's been a couple of years now. Um, and the same, yeah, we'll go opposite wing, basically. Teo Atasogbi at, at Poe, I think. He's a very been very impressive for me. Um, works really hard. Not massively flash, but Jeezy breaks tackles for fun. Uh, he's electric and yeah definitely one to watch for the future not that they're that short of French wingers at the minute but um, if he keeps doing what he's doing I, I think for sure he'll he'll get an opportunity to come soon I just want to go back to your England career just briefly because some people may know the story it was out there but a lot of people won't hopefully everything's okay now and I don't know if there's any lingering effects but it was when you were playing for England preparing for a game against Scotland a few years ago and yeah. you had DVT which spread from your lower leg to your lungs and it was massively serious so just talk us through how that all unfolded yeah it was um, a bit of a strange one to be honest I, I had a bit of a tight calf the week of the Italy game um, as you do as rugby players and you just yeah see the physio bit of massage and bit of a tight calf nothing 
wasn't really going and then it felt a little bit easier when I was running around and training so I was like well that's all I need to be doing so it doesn't matter it hurts when I'm lying down that's fine if I can run around and and kick a ball and, and run that's that's all good played the Italy game and then the morning after went to go to the physio room and I was just really struggling to even get to the physio room my calf was really swollen and and pity and sore um so went to get scanned basically kind of gave me a couple of things of what it could be and dvt was the bottom of the list kind of given you know my age my my fitness level and, and all those things I've not been on any flights so wasn't too too worried um and then that afternoon session the doc called me in and was like look you, you know what we said it wasn't going to be it's it's that unfortunately so we need to get to the hospital and uh, very lucky in the fact that I was in camp at the time and you know had so, I was so well looked after um, some brilliant doctors and nurses and kind of went in had some scans and then walked in to see a specialist and he kind of laughed and looked at me and was like why are you walk in like why are you putting it on and I was like what do you mean he was like you should be in a in a wheelchair getting wheeled around with the amount of clots you've got and I was like um, yeah pretty bit of a big blow to be honest um and then obviously had a couple of operations that week and then he was like this is this is the plan the world cup week i want to be ready for the world cup can i be ready he says look you need to be on blood thinners for at least six months which would have taken me way too long and he was like but we can try three months then a few other things and and then at three months we'll review it and see where you're at and make a decision from there and the three months was kind of the start of the the end of the season to to go into world cup camp so yeah it was a it was a strange one because i was on blood thinners i i felt good i felt i just couldn't do contact so i was running running and gymming and felt as fit as anything but couldn't couldn't do anything rugby related so it was fr- frustrating yeah and then obviously got called into that camp which was amazing for me that was probably one of the proudest moments I've had just getting called into that just for you know I put in a lot of work for those three months and and that was my goal that I wanted so it was a, a big that was a big kind of tick tick box for me and you know I thought at the time was like a you know a, a big nod to me from Eddie as well like look we we want you here this is you know you worked hard to get back we uh, and then yeah we did a week's training then a week's army camp and then that weekend he was like you're going home so it was uh, a bit of a kick in the teeth to be honest I, I worked very hard to get back for probably three sessions of rugby and then get told you know you're going home um was was again kind of went from here to to here which kind of summed my England career up a little bit um but yeah it was a pretty crazy crazy um couple of months but thankfully touch wood now everything's everything's good still keep on top of it and get checkups and all that but yeah it's um like i said it's been it's been all right since so mate what a roller coaster and again yeah. just to to go back and ask a bit more the cause did, did you get a, this has happened because or, or and then ongoing treatment you said you're on top of it now so what is the ongoing course of treatment do you still have to treat yeah so we didn't find a cause which is probably the frustrating thing i think you kind of wanted to i had blood tests done every kind of test done ever every scan done to find the reason and, and we couldn't find it um which is probably frustrating as well because it's one of those things where 
you then don't know how to prevent it happening again. Um, it's just a bit of a course for course situation. And then there's not a lot, to be honest. I've just got to look and be careful now with any long journeys. I, I live in calf socks. Any flights over four hours, I've gone anticoags again for a couple of days. And then, yeah, I'll get a checkup every year and just kind of chat to the doctor through what's been happening and, and how everything's been going. And, and she'll kind of give me a brief rundown of, of how I am and, and all that. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you get on with and it doesn't hamper you too much nowadays. And when you were trying to find out the cause of it all and you were having those scans, is it true that, you know, they mentioned the the C word, you had keyhole surgery, a couple of operations, one of which was on, on your birthday, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, my 27th, I think. It was very, very fun, followed by, you know, watching England blow a, a big lead against Scotland the following day. Um, but uh, yeah, so of course, everything kind of gets mentioned and, and that was always the, the big one, really. Why else would it be there? With someone my age, you know, DVTs very heavily and, you know, overweight people and, you know, people pregnant or long flights. I didn't really tick any of the boxes of, of the people on my ward. I was I was a bit of an anomaly um, of all the people there. So, yeah, that was that was thrown around a little bit. But luckily and, and thankfully that kind of got shunned away and, and wasn't the case. So, yeah, it was just unfortunately uh, one of those things, I think. And there are no risks with playing now. You've got the all clear, everything is cool, and you're happy to crack on. Yeah, all good now, all good. Well, I hope anyway. I've been doing it for a couple of years. So, you mentioned that before you moved to Poe, uh, a couple of prem- uh, sorry, you mentioned that before you moved to Poe, a couple of Premiership clubs were interested, and things were flying around. And understandably, you were a bit bitter towards the Premiership, and and kind of a fresh start and and something new would definitely appeal since then you've obviously signed on to stay things are going really well in France but I don't know if I'm right in saying that you came close to moving back to Gloucester and there would have been other offers on the table before you signed that extension so is coming back to the premiership still something you would like to do depending what the landscape is at the end of your deal now or do you think you're kind of happy to carry on playing in France or explore other opportunities elsewhere it's tough to be honest I think the one thing I've learned over the last 12 months is just to kind of take everything in your stride and be open with everything don't don't you know worry about too much and being tied down with everything you know opportunities come and go and I think if there was if there was the opportunity came to, to come back to the premiership in the, in the future and it was the right one for me and, and my family at the time you know I'd absolutely explore that of course um you know, I'm very thankful to to English rugby and the Premiership and, and everything that I've kind of been through over the last 10, 10, 11 years. And of course, there's that kind of part of me that wouldn't go. I'd love to finish in England and, you know, in front of a lot of people that have supported me over the years and, you know, fans, family and all that. But at the t- at the minute, I'm I'm loving it here. It's it's a brilliant place to be. And, you know, the rugby's going well. We just, just had a, a little boy six weeks ago, so everything's uh everything's a bit crazy but no I'm, I'm loving it now so it's 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 very enjoyable a bit like johnny's kids he might grow up to support france yeah maybe maybe i'm trying to get him into french lesson, lessons already i want him violin i don't want him to be suffering like me get him in the crash mate it's essentially it's essentially cheaper than a french lesson anyway and it's social that is true what's his name have you called him jean jacques what's his name <laughs> <laughs> his name's laker so not um not nothing French. He'll find his way. He'll find his way. He'll be easy. And you mentioned big games every week in the top 14. You're up against, I guess, last week, Ben White this weekend against Toulon. So 
What do you make of them so far? Impressive, I think. Toulon, when you look at you know their squad depth and and their their team and you know they they they're massive. They've got a big big old pack uh, and then some quality right behind it. And and Whitey's just kind of added to that. So that's that's brilliant for for us. Uh, just another another international nine to to review and, and look out for. But uh, no, they're they're impressive. They've they got a good attacking structure. They've got they do have you know world class um, internationals throughout their team. But I think right to the core, they're just a big physical team, and, and they want to bully you, get over the game line, and, and win that win that game line. And you know, if we can stop that, that's the first kind of protocol for us: stop them winning the game line, stop them at scrum time and line out time. If we can do that, you know, we're we're in in with a shout. But like I said before, for us, we're we're enjoying the ride at the minute. Um, we won't have any fear going down there for the first time probably in a, in a few years. Um, so we'll just go and enjoy it and, and play our rugby and, and see what happens at the end of it. Thanks so much for coming on, Dan. Um, good luck this weekend for the rest of the season. And here's hoping they bring in a Robson rule and we see you back playing for England sometime soon. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Cheers, bro. Cheers, Dan. See you later. Bye-bye. Great to have Dobby on, Johnny. We're calling him that now. That is potentially going to stick now in France, do you think? Well, he's going to hate you because now his teammates are going to know about it. <laughs> Great to have him on. Really interesting character as well because I always thought he deserved more of a time with England. Um, but love the way he plays. Always have. Um, great to see him doing really well with Poe in tandem with Joe Simmons as well. So, les roast beef, the two roast beefs as they'll be called by their teammates. The halfback combination, the English boys. But they're playing in a side that is well-organized, settled, full of young Frenchies that are developing and playing really well at high-level rugby. So, mate, it's cool to see him sort of at the root of that from halfback and really cool to get an insight on the character and how he operates as well. I think it'll be tough for them this weekend down in Poe, down in Toulon, sorry. But come the end of the season, like you mentioned, the last time they won the comp was in the 60s, like mm. in the 1960s. So to give the sort of Bernay public a team that they're proud of, something to shout about, and this year potentially a real shot at the playoffs like if they keep going they're second at the minute you mentioned as well they're not in champions cup they're in challenge cups they're not going to be super interested by that the top 14 is going to be the focus potentially this year could be the year to get into the top six so no really cool to have him on great to see poe doing well and flying high and hopefully it'll continue yeah it was a good talker dan and it's not a surprise but it was interesting to hear him talk about the fact that he was pigeonholed and he felt that as well as a scrum half that he wanted to show other people, even though he will have been motivated by himself and everything that he wanted to achieve. He did feel that from the outside that people were talking about him as a scrum half that will inject pace into a game, will be great off the bench. And he never got that chance to show that he could obviously manage a game in all different aspects from Very the start. Well. And then you move to France and obviously he's showing that week in, week out. It adds another string to his bow. Well, I felt like, I'm not sure if the Prem set up differently, but I always felt he could control game. Just yeah. For me, he had that X factor, which Eddie Jones seemingly <laughs> doesn't like the word or the phrase. But how ridiculous is that as well, that a coach asks you to go through, some coaches use different terminology, like what's your super strength? Tell me what your super strength is, what you're really good at. It's just done it. like, why did you get upset about that and throw it back in somebody's face? Total prick. Anyway, I thought he was tremendous at managing the game and he had that little sprinkle of stardust, superpower, X factor, whatever you want to call it, that he could change a game. He could inject pace and really frighten defences. And that's what he's doing with Poe. At the minute, it's difficult weather as well. It's winter rugby. And when he comes into March, April, May, and things start to 
sort of tidy up and, and the sun comes back out, he'll be even more dangerous. So he's been exceptional so far this season and last for Poe. And he'll go from strength to strength. The chances of him getting back into the England setup, though, with Borthwick at the helm, probably limited. But you'd love to see it for him. You'd love to see him get that start that he clearly wants, probably deserved, and is more than capable of having. So it'd be great to see him back in the, the white of England as well. And we touched on it with him. Sebastian Piccaroni is obviously as coach with his background working with young French talent. Dan mentioned how good he is on the recruitment side of things. Obviously, Joe Simmons is a, a big signing as well as Dan. They do seem to have a really good blend of the talented youngsters that Dan was talking about and some very good foreign recruitment, but also the kind of characters that are likely to get you through a long grind of a top 14 season. Yeah, Dan and Joe would be two good case in point. And then you've also got Sam Whitelock arriving, like coming with no ego, just graft, tremendous at what he does and he's only going to add he's not going to detract or be an ego destroy anything and that isn't always the way that coaches recruit coaches go often by data and statistics and numbers and they don't look at the personality whereas clearly Picaronis has got a fundamental basic level of what he wants from his players but there's a clear type of person he's recruited as well and that's serving them really well and aside from their trip to Toulon what stands out for you this weekend in the top 14 mate there's a pile we already talked about it earlier, but Bayonne against Montpellier. I don't want to say it's defining, but if Montpellier come to Bayonne down the road for me and they get 40 points put on them, kind of worried about where they go. You're saying it's a 10-pointer. You get a six-pointer in football. Mate, We're huge. only about eight games in, it's a 10-pointer. It's, it's absolutely huge, but psychologically the difference, if you're 12 points off Bayonne just before Christmas, like it doesn't make Christmas easy. Like I've been there before. It's not an easy place to be. So Montpellier need to come away with, if they don't get a result on a win, they have to be more compact. They have to be harder to break down defensively. They have to work harder for their backfield. The amount of time you've seen Julian Tis running backfield getting smashed because nobody's tracking back and working to help the fullback. It's crazy. So little simple things they need in order to come away with an improved performance because they might not win the game, but they have to be close. They have to show fight character and show they care about each other. That's what they need to do this weekend. So looking forward to that one. Another old side cast up against Lyon. Traditionally very tight affairs. La Rochelle against Perpignan. Is that going to be the game that propels La Rochelle back to more comfortable ways? They haven't looked themselves. Teddy Thomas' red card at weekend didn't help. Um, but La Rochelle kind of stuttered through the start of the season. Oyana Bordeaux, another one. Oyana with a big win at Montpellier last weekend, but Bordeaux coming to town. Quick, synthetic pitch in Oyana. Bordeaux was probably the best backline in the top 14 at the minute. That might be difficult. Clermont Racing as well, two huge teams. And then the classical, Stade Francais against Toulouse. So that's always an epic. It's on a fast track. Jean Bouin, half synthetic. So looking forward to a cracking game of rugby. Will we see Blair Kinghorn? Yeah, we, did. we nearly mentioned that with Ben White last week because it was in the offing but it wasn't officially confirmed until the day after we recorded. So an interesting move, like brilliant for him and Toulouse. Well, we mentioned with Ben because we thought it was Toulon. So mm. Toulon were in the market as well, but then they take in Jaminé and the whole left, big transfer fee, 500k for Toulouse. My question is going to be, where do they play him? It's a great signing. And I think he's outstanding as a fullback. The, the benefit for Toulouse is that he can play wing exceptionally well. I think he's a top class fullback. And he can yeah. also fit in at 10. But where are Toulouse going to use him? And I would say 10 is his weakest of the three positions. Because I'd say he's tipping towards world class as a fullback, an extraordinary winger as well. And then he can play 10, like he can fit in. So it'll be really interesting to see when they've got everyone back before Intermax fit. Do you have Ramos at standoff pulling the strings? Probably is your French speaker. 
knowing how they want to play. And then you have Blair Kinghorn flying up on the wing um, or the head of a defensive line, as he does for Scotland, where he is so dangerous. Well, I guess him and Ramos can interchange. They can do, but that's not typically how they... Well, they do in fits and starts, but you want to have your first choice 10 with, what, 70 75% of the the ball. And then if you're playing short side, then you've got players stepping up and playing blind side at 10. But look, I think it's a great move for him. I'm all for it in that I think the more people get out of their comfort zone, we talked about the premiership, but for Scottish rugby players as well, where it's a small bubble, he's been there for 10 years. You're going to one of the biggest clubs in the world, one of the biggest, best environments, best competitions, playing with top-class internationals from different countries from all around the world. And what an experience. So for him, I think it's phenomenal. And I think for Toulouse, they've got themselves a ridiculously good fullback that can also step in and play a multitude of different positions. So they're covering a few bases, which is cool for them. And maybe he is the replacement for Melvin Jaminet and Antoine Dupont going for a while and getting compensation in. Maybe there will be a 10 coming as well. Who knows? We'll wait and see. We will. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Dan Robson for joining us as well. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe, leave us a nice review if you can. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, mate. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.